coming out the jacket Cause we're turning up the heat I wanna see you clapping when you get about to see It's time to make it happen when we hit these streets I'm coming in hot and I can't be beat Watch out now I'm delighted today to have um, my good good friend, Mr. Rob Dando from Agency, finally with us. And um, I've been really looking forward to today, Rob. Yeah, myself too. Thanks for having me. Like you and I are just going to chat through the kind of ups and downs of Agency roller coaster journey. And <laughs> I think, you know, you're, 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 you're living the journey right now. So it's going to be really good to hear from you and, and, and hear how everything's gone. As always, I want to just say... Um, you know, some thank yous to, for Abby to, for making all these episodes happen behind the scenes and to Dan for all his support as well in getting all the guests uh, lined up. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, um, we've just launched Agency Coin, so we'll put all the details in the show notes. Please check it out. Um, it's a fantastic way for us to build more loyalty through our community. And if you have, if you hold Agency Coin, you'll get access to exclusive, um, exclusive unique vvip benefits let's call them so access to in fact we're launching already with a um uh, a coin holder community member party launch party very soon uh and we've also got guests already coming in from montreal peter davison says good morning to us or good afternoon even so um so rob do you want to sort of start by telling us a little bit about how you ended up in agency land how did it all begin how did it all begin? Well, yeah, so, I mean, it, it all began uh, when I was 13. Um, I started building uh, websites back in the day, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, well, temp, temp, well, frame-based websites, which I'm sure you no doubt remember when, when they came out with some lovely tags such as Blink and uh, Scroll. Um, and so, yeah, I started that working with a family friend, um, I built sites for kind of like motorbike shops and I did a fly fishing e-commerce store. Blink and scroll. Do you mean that was yeah. like that command in, I think it only worked in Netscape, didn't it? That you could yeah. make blink on a like web blink on the phone. Yeah, exactly. And scroll was a scrolling marquee, but it was like an HTML tag for scroll. That. That's, that's uh, way back when. Yeah, no, 90. Well, that would have been probably 90. 96 i guess wow. when it started um yeah and so i started to, to build those uh i mean crazily like people didn't really understand it the internet or websites back then so i actually earned probably uh, more money as a 14 year old web builder than i did as a 24 year old web builder which uh was quite quite strange um so from there i kind of um built that a little bit um, at 16 i kind of registered the business um uh, like officially i entered um, a shell livewire um young entrepreneur competition uh of of my granddad bless him my granddad like been uh, a really powerful influence in my life you know he's not same age as the queen actually and two weeks apart but uh he you know he's supported me through giving me uh lots of advice and support um you know, building this on this journey he he said i think you should enter i was like i'm just like a 16 year old kid uh building some websites i can't see how i did uh, i was successful to get through as a finalist for kent uh highly commended for my business plan um and the youngest ever entrant so it kind of gave me the, the spark that actually maybe i could do all right and do these sorts of things so i continued on much to my teacher mum's uh admission that she desperately wanted me to go to university and, and do that educational route but i knew from probably 13 really that entrepreneurial life was the one for me I, you know I'd, i was always had something on the go from rogue tuck shops in the school to fantasy football leagues where i basically just played championship manager and charge people um you know i've had done all sorts of things um but you know my passion's been web and a bit of a problem for our industry that in a way i think and it, i think i've heard this quite a lot actually through other interviews that often parents don't really see the creative world of, of advertising marketing and technology as being almost like a professional career you know it's like the sort of parents you know want to see their kids take on professional you know professional roots doctors teachers whatever it may yeah. well be lawyers do you think that that is a problem for our industry do you think there's more that we should be doing to try and professionalize and make our industry more credible yeah i think so i think particularly even today, you know, website design or development, it's not really ever been formalized in, in our whole lifetime. I mean, if you probably remember, you know, there was like the HTML Writers Guild and, you know, those sorts of rogue organizations where you get a little tiny badge to put at the bottom of your site. But there's nothing been formal. And I think, you know, people that aren't 
that way inclined or don't see the bigger picture potentially they're, they're, they're worried you know it's my mum at the end of the day she's a teacher she wants me to do well I mean look now she's absolutely fine and and like looks back and and can kind of see the benefits but you know that's taken 20 years of her yeah. to to follow the journey um and I believed in it all the way along but yeah I, I do think it's a problem and I think it's something that I've always tried to do so I like to go back to schools um and give talks um you know and say look, there are other paths it doesn't always have to be traditional I just think education you know, probably going a bit off topic but education in my mind is a bit too structured for teaching people to answer a test and that's not what it is so when I interview people when I want to employ people I want to find the, the, the spark within them the, the problem solvers and the creative thinkers and those that do think differently and challenge and be, and be willing to do that um, and, and yeah I think I think as a as a community as a collective we should try and work to push that and support schools support young people especially in this remote world you know uh, everybody's now more often they're going to be separated now, how are the the next generation of people going to get that spark if they can't come and do work experience? I mean, we still run an active work experience program here. At, uh, we had somebody in last week, you know, doing some design work with our designers. And, you know, it's something that I really truly believe in and try and support. Even virtually, we go to schools to do talks. We go to careers fairs. And, and yeah, I think we need to push it because look, it's an amazing industry once you're in it, as, as you, you'll attest to. And all the other agency owners, you know, so uh, probably a bit crazy sometimes, but, you know, I'm what 20 plus years you yourself the same you know so it can't be that bad no exactly it's not so sorry I interrupt your story but I, I think it is a really important point to address and I, I love the fact that you have already said that you know you're you're going back to schools and you're and you're explaining that to them and it's funny because I've I've recently done something similar myself as well and I think because because there are a lot of people at school who are more creative as you say or they may be more technology focused or and they just don't fit the normal mold of being academic and actually is no. important and I met two young agency owners the other day at a dinner I hosted and they were explaining to me that they never knew that this this whole world existed yeah um, and it wasn't until they kind of like you know came out of education and started to realize that there's a whole new area of of creativity that they could actually apply what you know they knew um, to be able to help brands certain certain types of sports brands with their marketing so I think it's, um, yeah. I, I think it's about helping the teachers as well. Um, so we've actually created um, a guide, uh, well, you know, a magazine, about a 10-page magazine that we give to the students, teachers and students and, and relate it. So actually we've got, one of our content writers was a teacher um, and he switched careers. Okay. So he came from, he was a media studies teacher uh, and he, he wanted a career change and he come he's come and work for us. And I could see the transferable skills in him for, for this business. And what he did when I last went to Careers Fair was he kind of he's obviously had his eyes open by working in an agency but he could relate that back to the educational side so we've created this kind of cool magazine which is like you know if you're into these subjects these jobs yeah. could be good for you and we've kind of turned this whole thing around and so because you know even in agencies you know we need finance people we need you know uh, HR people so you need all those other disciplines that so it, you know you might be thinking oh I want you know I'm going to go do accountancy and people think oh traditional accountancy routes or big firms but actually you know agencies need accountants or f good financial people probably earlier in their journey than ever before um, and so like why can't we encourage people say look you can do this job and still be in a cool setting if you like yeah so going back your your mum's sort of slightly a bit concerned about you going into yeah. this, this sector but you started to to you started that building websites was that the first thing you did or was yeah it so i was working yeah building building well design and build back then we were web designers weren't we there there wasn't a separation you did it all uh badly designed if i'm in if i'm honest uh but coded well um uh but then yeah so i, I left kind of went back to do my a levels um but i was already making good money uh and my decision had been made that i wanted to do what i wanted to do so uh yeah finished my a levels to appease my mother got terrible results which um you know it was quite ironic because i was running a computing business and i failed business and got an e in computing which i thought was quite funny um i, I did get an a in um in in uh, sports science but that was basically because uh the teacher told me i couldn't and that was the wrong thing to say to me or probably the right thing to say to me uh yeah. because it made me get an a um and so i had the pleasure in sharing that with them and then yeah left school 
So, and actually the next step was uh, the building I'm in still today uh, was an internet cafe. And I'd said to my mum again when I was about 17, an internet cafe was, you know, this is the future. It would be brilliant. She was like, if it's such a good idea, someone would have done it. Then someone did it. And I was like, I told you. Um, so I left school. I came in. I said, look, I build websites. If you get any people asking for them, like maybe I can help you out. And he said, yeah, brilliant. Um, and he said, and I said, oh, you know, how's it going up here? You know, he was actually a guy from London. And he said, yeah, no, it's all good, but I'm not enjoying the traveling. And I said, oh, well, do you want to sell? And he was like, maybe. So he said, well, why don't you try running it? So, I mean, literally on a, on a Friday, he threw me the keys and said, it's yours. Run it. See, wow. see how I get on. So Monday morning I opened. And after three months, I said, yeah, do you know what? I'll, I'll make him an offer. So I did. I bought the business. Uh, it took a little while to go through, but uh, we then closed it down for two weeks, reopened uh, to a grand opening, which I'd spent loads of money in the papers. I'd replaced all the computers, had a queue of people at the door. And on the day of opening, BT decided that they would uh, cut the internet line. Um, so my internet cafe didn't really function that well day one without the internet um so we had to close down again so we did but yeah we opened and, and i ran ran it for 10 years pretty much 10 years to the day to the public so we were open for seven days a week 12 hours a day so what, yeah, what about, years was that just so i can kind of picture 2003 2003 to 2013 wow. um and but after in about 2006 i'd started to kind of realize that um sitting on my uh, bum playing computer games eating bacon sandwiches and watching films wasn't going to be a long-term career like mobile phones had started to get 4g and i was like oh i think i, I think i've been had here I'm, uh, people coming into an internet cafe isn't going to be my lifelong career so in about 2006 i thought right i've got to like sort myself out so i re went back down the web route which i'd, I'd sort of been ticking along but i grew it I took, I shut down one of the rooms in that cafe and I created an office uh, and we grew to a team of six uh, building websites and custom CMSs, bespoke programming, you know, high techie stuff, which, um, you know, back then was good. You could charge good money for it. But, you know, as we've all moved on now, it's quite hard work to do that now in today's world. Um, and then uh, about 11 years ago now i was introduced to steve steve howard um and he was running a design like a traditional design and branding agency uh and we kind of did a couple of projects for him white labels so he was designing we were doing the techie side uh we kind of became good friends uh and then we were offered an opportunity to to pitch jointly um for a pharmaceutical company which we did and we won um and again like built more of a relationship during that process. Um, and then uh, I, I was kind of looking for some investment or thinking, how do I take myself to the next level at this point? And he put me in touch with one of his old bosses who was also interested in, in making some investments. And we were very close, had some good chats. Um, but part of me, I, I remember sitting there on a couple of days before I was going to make a final decision. I was like, now, I know investors say that they'll just put money in and let you run the business how you want, but do they really? Is that what they really mean? I was thinking, if like my figures aren't looking good, and someone rings me up and I'm like on a golf course on a Friday, are they really going to be okay with that? And I was like, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, so I was getting nervous about taking somebody in. And, and then Steve rang me and said, Have you signed anything? I said, No. He said, um, I've got another idea. Come, come and see me. So I, I shot down to his office and he said, Look, I think we should try something together. Um, I was like, cool, yeah, see, it sounds interesting. So Steve shut his office down and moved into to this building with us. We created Finally, um, and and we we did that for a year and kept our companies separate behind the scenes and was I was doing the development still and he was doing the, more the design and, and, and bits and bobs. Yeah. And then after a year, we kind of merged it properly and brought all the staff in. And um, so then we were a team of about eight uh, and it was going really well. We were a full service marketing agency. So the classic B2B, B2C, anyone that wants to pay you will, will look at it. Uh, no process, chaos, frankly, That's, that was what it was. Um, uh, but we did well. We, we doubled the business three years in a row. Uh, we reached, you know, about 1.3 million. We we're up to 27 uh 28 staff you know uh and we're kind of fumbling along if, if i'm honest like thinking and but deep down thinking i was thinking you know is this right like are we is this how it works you know kind of sometimes you look out and you look at other agencies you think oh they're absolutely smashing it like we're yeah. not um and then to be the truth of it and no plug is i i, I came across your book 
Uh, I read it and that it's gave like me some answers. It looks like you haven't read it though, looking at that one. It's up there, there you go. Look. <laughs> Somewhere like Pride there, of place, yeah. pride of place. Um, yeah, and and it gave me answers to some questions that I've been asking myself for, for a couple of years, you know, and helped me to realize that actually, you know, firstly, I assumed that like every agency was like turning over millions uh, and I was like struggling. Uh, and obviously, you know, that isn't the case. Um, and, and, you know, that gave me some clarity there. Um, and, you know, it, it was kind of interesting. So COVID then hit. Uh, and as we'll all attest, you know, it was it was interesting times. We uh, took that opportunity to fire our biggest client, who was probably about, uh, I hope Pete's not listening, but about 40% of our revenue at the time. Yeah. Um, so it was a major thing to do, um, quite a gamble. Uh, but thankfully, fired them without naming who they were, you know? Um, it just wasn't working. The relationship yeah. wasn't there. Um, the kind of pressures. Uh, that we were under to deliver constantly, but never given time to actually, you know, see it through, frankly. Yeah. Um, and uh, when you actually looked at the financials, 40% turnover, zero profit, you know, <laughs> classical um, that Pete and Mark will, will you know, run right home about, you know, it's a vanity metric. It was nice at the top. Uh, it was keeping people employed. Yes, it was, but it wasn't helping the business would you say that they knew that they were a large client and did that in a way upset the dynamic because they knew they were big and therefore it gave they like the almost the power shift became more in their favor than yours and or you then sort of become subservient because you're worried about the billings because they're such a large amount it's important it, it, you know was that was that a play would you say that kind of dynamic hundred percent hundred percent um yeah. and just got progressively worse it felt like we weren't in control of our own business um yeah. you know and and that wasn't a nice place to be in um right. you know and i, I think rob that um i think that isn't always caused by the client sometimes it's actually the agency ends up panicking a bit because they are so big that you then start almost adopting the wrong behaviors as well do, do, do you agree yeah. with that it's like it's yeah. almost like it kind of sort of self-manifest itself between the two parties then end up being not a healthy relationship yeah i'd agree with that i think you know you naturally um you treat them as the biggest client and you let let that kind of you do let that get away you're like oh well you know but they're they're, they're our biggest client and we've got to do this and don't worry about the other clients um and and you kind of lose yourself in it if and and to be honest like had covid not hit would we have changed i don't know I honestly don't know, you know, like we were in that bubble and we were riding that wave and partly it was okay. But, you know, now looking back in hindsight, it, it was, it wasn't great. Um, you know, financially, uh, mentally, you know, the morale of the company was at an all time low. Our staff churn was ridiculous. Um, it, it wasn't a nice place to be. Um, and you know, that's a sad thing to admit and a sad thing to look back on and think, actually, that's not why I built a business. That's not why I wanted to be in business. You know, I want to be running a business that's, um, delivers for clients primarily. And that that's my number one. I've always been client focused, but also I want my staff and, the, and everyone associated to the business suppliers and contractors, whatever, to enjoy doing the work and enjoy the kind of re reaps the rewards but, but when there are bad times, you know, also be a strong team unit that stick together and get you through those times, Yeah. Um, which kind of brings me to where I guess today's journey, which is unfortunately a very bad time, which was, you know, last July, Steve very sadly caught COVID um, and he suffered a huge stroke, uh, a very, very serious stroke that, um, you know, knocked him out um, immediately. He was in hospital for three and a half months at King's and then transferred back down to Kent. Um, and, you know, he's he's fighting a battle each and every day to uh, improve, which, you know, I'm pleased to say he is daily making progress. You know, he's beating the expectations of the doctors in terms of they didn't they didn't think he was going to walk or talk or anything. You know, and he's making that progress now, which is amazing. Um, but it was another huge um, change to the business. Um, you know, I had to uh, deal with that, which is probably the hardest thing. Um, I've ever had to do, which is walking into the walking into the business on the Monday morning, calling a staff meeting. Firstly, having to 
act normal for the people that were in the building because I didn't want them to know anything ahead of everybody knowing. So like just getting on with things for an hour before 10 o'clock hit and I had a call with the whole team, uh, which I got through in about 96% of before I broke down in tears. So I was pretty proud of myself. Um, but yeah, having to announce that, then having to ring key clients and suppliers and just explain what, what happened and then kind of hoping that you built a strong enough relationship and business that they were going to support the business and the team and me, you know, because it was going to be a huge change for me. It was, I was going from effectively, yes, I'd run a company when I was younger for for 10, 12 years, but you know, the previous eight, 10 years I'd been in partnership and we'd been together. We'd made decisions together. We had someone to bounce things off of. We didn't always agree fair enough, but you know, we got there, but fundamentally Steve was kind of leading on that role. And I was, I was kind of more sales and marketing Uh, and to come back to kind of effectively the whole, decisions back on my shoulders um plus i had to deal with the fallout of of that situation which was you know fun, uh, financial it was uh you know uh, unfortunately stuff that happened to be legally that we had to do with the company and and you know it's been quite a, a shift um and yeah like having just sort of felt like you were getting off off of covid that was another like massive blow really um but you know thankfully sitting here today steve's recovering as best as possible and wishing uh, you know the best every single day yeah. and and we as a business have, have um we stepped up i think you know we started working with yourself and pete uh, that was a decision i took um you know to support me really and and kind of help me to I think more than anything, just give me some clarity. You know, I'm not afraid to make a decision, never have been, but you know, sometimes it's nice just to know that, uh, get some advice and go, do you know what your, where your thinking is good or, or actually Rob, your, your miles away, like, you know, wind your neck back in. Now I had that sport science teacher thing. I've got some great ways to get the best out of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah. Just got so you got, you what are those activity well, levels? You couldn't possibly do that, Rob. <laughs> well, you couldn't do that, and then that was trying to prove us wrong. So yeah, well, I think you know we we we've got to know each other, haven't we? Really, you know, not as well, and hopefully as we develop our relationship, we'll know each other more. But I think already there's similarities, and you can see bits of each other. You know, the book that you told me to read, the Driven on on holiday. You know, I was, it it was weird, isn't it? You know, like that that is how you're wired, and and you can see that in the people that are wired the same as you, and. Uh, you know, it's, it's good um, to have, you know, that support yeah. around you. I mean, and, and I'm so grateful for my team um, because they, they've they supported me. Um, Charlotte, Julie, the, the rest of the, you know, Amber, the senior sort of team, plus everybody. You know, I've got people in the business. My, like Charlie's coming up to 10 years. Uh, Rob's coming up to t- like nine years, you know. So people have been around and, and it, it, you know, like the cliche, isn't it? Agencies are family and, you know, but we really, <laughs> we really are um and we got through that how a family would get through that um and they supported me because you know arguably that could have been the end of it um you know i thought covid would have been the end of it you know those first four phone calls where you lost you know half your business 20 years of work that was hard if, and i thought that was hard until i took the call from steve's wife and that without doubt was the hardest thing that yeah. i've ever had to take and wouldn't wish it on anybody um, what I would advise off the back of that is uh, for any agency owners listening, make sure you've, please make sure you've got key man insurance in place and other insurances in place. Like it, it, it you, you can't, uh, you know, I see the comment there from joy, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen. You just can't. We never predicted that. We laughed about the fact that we were both so young and it would be fine, but the reality is it, it wasn't. And uh, yeah, go and get insurance. Um but yeah, you know, it's put us to where we are. Uh, we we kind of super focused, lasered in on where we want to be in a sector. Um, and frankly, I think we're doing really well. Um, you know, you, you well, you see, uh, but we're, we're growing. You know, we're yeah, kind of... Well, you know, I, I'm in a bit of a privileged position with this interview because, I, you know, I, I don't get to work with everyone. I get, I get to work with you and, uh, and I, I kind of see what you've done very well. And I think, first of all, I think, there's a few things that you've said, which I think are really important for people out there to understand. You, you know, you talked about before you read the book, thinking that everyone had a big successful agency. Well, I still say this to people every single day. And I think they're still surprised that in the UK, it's something like only 3% of businesses get to 1 million in revenue. Now, agencies, it's only 1% because agency business, for, you know, from what I've observed, they're very, very hard to get to the first million. So if you get to the first million, it's incredible. It's something that is 
you know, which is not an easy thing to achieve. And it gives you a, a platform to really build off. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, you guys have achieved that now is, is superb. And, you know, and obviously you're, you're, you're motoring forwards now. But for everybody else out there, you know, you mustn't be beaten up by that fact if you're struggling to get to the first million because, you know, it it isn't easy. And it does take, you know, you've got to get as, you know, as much outside counsel and help and guidance and accountability to try and get you, you know, have a strong plan to get to get to, get to that level. And then the, the sort of the other things that you sort of touched on as well around, you know, you start a business, you think you're going to have this great utopia, don't you? You're gonna, I'm going to build the perfect business and have the perfect people and the perfect clients and we're going to have the perfect brand and we're going to have fun. And and then the reality of like, you know, you you, you probably resented some previous boss in, in many people's cases. I'll show them how to run a business properly. And maybe some of the people now are, you know, are sitting there in an agency thinking that their boss could, you know, isn't doing it as well as they should be doing it. But the, the reality is, is that when you're actually doing it, all of a sudden, you then you have to deal with the human you know the human element which is we are a people business and yeah. people are people and we all have traumas and we all have good times and bad times and you know i, I always say even on, on our journey rob like every single person in my agency when i grew it cried at one point you know we all hit ceilings we all you know it was never an easy journey and then you throw clients into the mix who as you rightly mm. say you know sometimes you know clients are a joy and they are the most loyal and wonderful people and sometimes because we've got to pay the wage bill we have to take on clients that maybe we're not so sure about and then we learn the hard way that they're either not right or and, and in fact it's interesting you, you sort of when I was, you talked about the the dynamic of a large client and I work with so many people that god my god it's really exciting I've won this really big client and I'm always really nervous in the background because I'm always sitting there thinking you know what like when the big client goes or the big client becomes a bully or becomes dependent on cash flow, the impact it can have is, is really thing. But what I wanted to say, and I've just seen Millie make a comment, which kind of really <laughs> encapsulates what I want to say next, which is that I think what you have done really well. And I think if anyone listening to this has got to really take from is you've been very good at surrounding yourself with very good people. And I do want to yeah. drill into that. I think it doesn't. And by the way, you know, you haven't necessarily done that with people who are, you know much maturer with great experience you've seemed to have brought together a group of sort of midway i'm going to describe affectionately midway talent yeah who have all brought their a game and by the way mm. some of them are probably more, that's unfair they're probably the talent is much greater but what i mean is you're not coming back with 60 years experience right but actually you managed to get this team around you of complementary skills and attributes and and and, and talent and they they all you know they all believe in you and the vision and you've got them all supporting you and i've got to say i haven't seen an example recently of you know i remember reading richard branson's book screw it let's do it where he said the same thing about you know as a, a business owner as entrepreneur you've got to you've got to build the talent pool around you and i think you've done that really well and i think you know millie's made a comment there millie's very young but she's an a player and she's bringing her a game to marketing for your business and it's a joy to watch that and in terms of you know, we even referenced you yesterday, funnily enough, we were talking about from Julie from finance support, how, you know, agencies aren't difficult. A lot of finance people and agencies aren't able to deal with that kind of, you know, um, the, the harsh reality of a gritty business with, with clients, yeah. you know, and projects trying to work and cash flow. But yet you've got people who've got that reality check. So so what's your secret, Rob? That's my question to you today. Finding, <laughs> them because, I you know, it, I don't, I mean, Firstly, firstly, thank you for, for, for yeah. the kind words. I mean, you know, it, it really matters to me and I'm quite an emotional person. I try my best to hold it back, but you know, the team here have seen me at my best and at my, you know, at my worst, but uh, you know, I'm a heart and a sleeve guy and I genuinely want to do the best for them and um, you know, and, and bring people through a journey. Julie, as you mentioned, Julie, Julie was a PA for her life that when she left that business she came into our business to effectively uh, be a kind of sort of pa slash studio manager that was where her role began and then i just we just saw more in her um and firstly she went on a hr course that we paid for she did all the hr she started looking after the people she had a natural connection with people as well so it was great and to be fair to you know she won't well, like this part, but she was effectively one of the old ones. She was, you know, a couple of years older than me. And, and yeah. until Steve left, uh, you know, we were, you know, in, in our mid late thirties, we were the oldest, um, you know, so the average age of the 
business has been like 22 for for like 10 years uh, because we obviously we bring in younger talent as well but um i think the truth of it is when we hire and it's a cliche but we genuinely uh, we hire the person primarily i would say in my in my like in my mindset when i'm interviewing someone i'm like it's like 80 percent them 10 percent they've got an education to a degree that like not a literal degree but you know um and then 10 percent um you know can they do the job do i believe yeah. they can do the job more than anything and look i've made some mistakes uh, yeah, you know, I guess as, as ever they want to do that job right i suppose as well yeah. because that's you know if they you can what... see it in people can't you you know you you know when you talk to someone you just like you can see a passion you can see energy millie you know not to embarrass her but millie is an absolute classic example of that millie came in to work for us as a, a bit of an intern summer internship while she was doing a, a law degree millie ended up with a first class distinction law degree from kent which is a pretty decent university for law she could have gone on to do anything with that degree but while she was here working you know i just realized this is someone this is someone that i need in my business like she is incredible and she was doing everything you know she'd come in and she was account managing she was doing event stuff you know she was doing a bit of marketing and um you know sadly we through covid we couldn't couldn't keep millie on she went off and she i didn't know she went to work in a school um and do some bits there and then landed a, in a in a client in well a, a place in london who then became our client because millie became marketing manager and said i know a really good agency and that was us thankfully uh, so we helped them out and um and then i was thinking what do i want to do how do i want to change things up and and i i wanted to bring in a marketing manager I'd wanted to do it before, but it hadn't kind of been uh, agreed. We'd been doing our own marketing using the whole talent pool, uh, which, you know, I wasn't sure was right. And you know, now looking back, kind of, it, it, it wasn't right. Um, now we've got one person focused on it. And the problem yeah, like, with getting your own team to do the marketing is that the client always takes priority, right? So if the client work comes in, the team ends up not doing the marketing. So it's, and you say, like, you say it, don't you? Every meeting, like, no, it won't happen. We're prioritizing, yeah. we're treating us like our biggest client. We said it, we allocated the budget for it in that same respect. But fundamentally, when it came down to it, if there's something that had to move in the schedule, it was always our stuff. And it was frustrating. Um, so, yeah, you know, I wanted to get, um, you know, Millie back and I reached out to her and, and she wanted to come back. And as Mark's manager, she's been incredible for the last, you know, almost year that she's been back, taking on that marketing manager role. And taking us to the next level and, and and again just part of the support network but being able to bring people back into the business because you know how good they are is, is a, a great thing we're, we're rehiring a designer as well now that's worked for us previously and and so i think you know you say the secret i think it's a secret i think the truth is just really try and get the right people and yes every now and then you will get it wrong and it's either we we didn't get that right in interview or for it hasn't worked out from their side and you know look not everyone's going to like me not everyone's gonna like the style that that's fine um but you know if we can get it right 80 percent of the time i'll take it um you know and and so far so good it's interesting when you said then about you know the people it was it's less so maybe the qualifications and and, may, and maybe even sometimes the experience you know obviously it counts but sometimes it may not count and it, when you i always had um Rob, I had a similar similar thing because I'd failed school and didn't have any qualifications. I was always like, I'm going to make sure that I always give people the opportunity that they need rather than, you know, just gifting people with the, the right qualifications. I'll never be biased. And, it's, and I swore that I built the whole company on that basis. And then when we sold the business one day, when we got, you know, we, we got to a size where we just couldn't really get it any further ourselves, the guys audited all of the team and I, and I worked out that every single person had at least one, maybe two degrees. And I was the least most qualified person in the company. So regardless <laughs> of recruiting people, they all actually have brilliant qualifications. So I guess like in your example, yeah. with Mitch, found a great person, but actually she also has, uh, you know, has some strong qualifications behind. Yeah. My, my grandfather has been a massive, massive uh, mentor to my, you know, he's, he's okay. uh, 90, 96 years old and he's been around supporting my journey you know because my my, um, my father left when i was young and so he wasn't around so my granddad was that male influence and he 
uh, been a successful engineer and and uh, you know done lots of stuff. And he was actually lecturing at Cranfield University um, at, towards wow. the end of his career and and doing uh, the business support. So there was like a, a government scheme. Um, can't remember what it's called now, but all around the country where people like him went into business to help them for, and the government was paying and yeah. and you know some of the stuff he told me and taught me that i still you know what but the one on people was just he always said just just hire people better people than you he said just keep hiring better people than you and you'll have a great business and, and that's what i've tried to do um you know because uh it, it works you know i'd like to think that i bring something to the business clearly um you know uh, but actually what you want to do is just surround your surround yourself with, with incredible people and that's what we've got here yeah and you know as a as a founder of a business you're you know you start off with you know if you think back to when you started off all of the jobs that you had to do right i mean you probably did the cleaning you yeah. you know you you, you, you build, bulbs, yeah. build the websites you, you know you're doing maintenance you're doing the finance you're doing project management and all of us you know when we start a business we have to do so many things and in a way it's it's humbling and it, it brings humility because you know it, it reminds you that it's you know it's a privilege and a gift to be able to have your and you're fortunate to have your own business it really is but yeah. um but, but what you're trying to do at the end of the day as you grow is to make yourself redundant you're trying to lose yeah. each part each one of those roles is being delegated to somebody else to come in who's better than you at doing those roles and in the end i think the best leaders that you know are able to find each part of them and find someone better to do it. So wise words from your grandfather. He sounds like a very yeah. wise man. And I think anyone, to be fair, who I've ever met who's been to uh, Cranfield, uh, sort of, you know, tip and not on a tip because they are always the super smartest people. So yeah. uh, I might not exec kept trying to get me to go there, but I never seem to have the budget to go because it always costs like <laughs> tens of thousands of pounds. So um, maybe, uh, you know, maybe one day I'll get to uh, go and do some work with them, hopefully. So, um, so you know, coming back to, so, you know, so, just to really, you know, to sort of surmise there, you know, you've got to a point now, it's not been a straight line journey. You've certainly had your fair share of challenges. Um, and, you know, but you're now, you know, you seem to be sort of finding your form. What's what's your vision for the future? You know, what do you see a road ahead? Where, where's it going? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, we're, we're kind of laser focused now on the next two years and growing. We want to uh, double in size from where we are today, uh, which would put us about, you know, 40, 42 people. Um, and we want to be the the kind of the agency in engineering manufacturing. And and like I'm setting myself big here, you know, with your support globally. Like I'm, there's no reason why not. We're now working globally. We've got clients in Australia. We've got clients in America. The world has opened up with, with COVID. That's the the only positive in my mind has been that the, the technological advances. I was talking to someone earlier today about that. I was saying that before COVID, I tried to have video calls as part of my sales process to qualify people out before I drove. Uh, and it was just hilarious. You know, people trying to balance a webcam on the top of a monitor and I like, had no, it just wasn't a thing. Um, and, and then just to think where we are now, we're recording live streamed podcasts from garden rooms and, you know, some, it, yeah, that two right. years uh, three years has been incredible and and so that does allow us to work anywhere um and yeah that's where we want to be um we're, we're kind of you know understanding our numbers understand the business now you know like whilst i've been running businesses in one way or another for whatever that is 25 years um it's probably the last 18 months that i've feel like i've got clarity like some of those, and for anyone that hasn't read your book, not just to big you up, but genuinely go and read the book. It, it, worst case, just read the numbers at the back, like the little quick reference, yeah. because they are so important. And they were numbers that I was hunting for or hunting for someone to tell me that I wasn't stupidly wrong for years and never managed to find it. So, you know, that is important. And I love it, Pete's... It makes, um, it makes me laugh because in that book, there are so many nuggets that you know, for whatever the price is, I think a Kindle nine ninety nine. Although someone did say it wasn't worth the nine ninety nine, but um, I mean, <laughs> but generally speaking, you know, most people, you know, to spend whatever twenty thirty pounds just to get one good piece of information that could help your agency, it's got <laughs> to be, it's got to be a great investment. I mean, I, I, you know, we don't you don't write a book to make money. We certainly never made any money writing that book, but <laughs> the blood, sweat, and toil, and tears, and information we shared wasn't stuff that we thought Pete and I it was just stuff that we'd seen time and time yeah. again and you probably see it in your world you sort of see patterns you see things that work 
and then you share them with your clients. You know, it's the yeah. same thing in that book. So I'm pleased that you found some things in there that were were useful. Yeah, definitely. Because ultimately it's a lonely seat. You know, like yeah, you can have a great team around you, and I and I do, but fundamentally, you know, those times that you mentioned, those tears, the the tough times that founders or owners or senior management, they they you do keep that to yourself. You know, I don't come in, yeah. uh, you know, and start going, oh, you know, you nearly none of you none of you were nearly paid last month because your client didn't pay us. And I was like scraping around begging from family. Like you don't come and announce that to your team on a Monday, but glad, glad everyone's had a good weekend. I, I didn't, Uh, you know, but when you're waking up in the middle of the night, worrying about, you know, that contract or that client or, you know, re re rereading an email for the hundredth time, because it's, you don't know whether it's the right context or wrong context. Are you taking it wrong? You know, all of those things, that's a lonely place to be. And, and, you know, I think having communities of other founders and people that you can talk to is a massively important part of anyone's journey. And I'd suggest, and, uh, you know, that that is a key role. Um, and I'm open to connecting with any, anyone that wants to talk and I'm happy to share my stories because, you know, we've all made yeah. mistakes and I, if you can help someone not make that mistake, brilliant. That's a really kind offer, by the way. And I think I actually, I actually know someone on that basis I might introduce you to because it's, it's funny, the dynamics when you are and you, you know, you've been in both, right? You've, you've got you're running things effectively as, as you know, at the moment by yourself and you've been in the partnership. But it's funny when I when I meet the sink, the let's say the, the single shareholder owners, who are the, you know, who are, or the, the, the situation where the person running the business is is basically not got another shareholder in the business for whatever reason that uh, person does find it very lonely as you rightly say it's quite hard you can't always confide in everything with the, your colleagues around you uh, because you might might scare them or you know or, or make yeah. them feel a bit insecure the other problem that happens is when you've got like three business partners you have the opposite problem where you know you you have to over every decision that you make in your business imagine if you had to make that three times over because you know you've got three shareholders and it takes and it can slow down the business in many ways as well. So it is, I think everyone always thinks the grass is greener when you've got, you know, I was just like you, like you are right now, I was sort of you know, running by myself and it quite lonely. Obviously Pete was with me as well for a bit afterwards, but, but then now I've got a partnership. I find it a little bit easier having that comfort, but then sometimes I think, God, I wish I could just do things myself. And, yes. you know, I thought Pete does as well, you know, and <laughs> actually, I'm, sometimes I'm grateful. I don't have three or four of us because I know that it would be like, so much but then but if there is three and four of you some of the advantages are that you've got four shareholders who can each take a role in a company uh, and do in it hopefully if you are different and that really helps having an owner in each area of the business to 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 run so there are strengths and weaknesses with all of them but um i think that that offer that you've made is, is very kind and i think that's a really good thing to do so can you tell me a little bit about um the so uh, about it. so you, you've you've got to a point now where you know you've got some ambitious plans you know your your sales momentum seems to have gone quite well i mean ha, what what would you attribute to that towards the success of bringing in more clients is it a combination of things is it is there a secret to everything um <laughs> well, what, if what there is you, can someone tell me um yeah. i think hard work does, um does the niche play the part because you mentioned your niche yeah. as well yeah so i mean that it's quite funny, really, because, you know, for many years, Steve and I would happily walk into other people's businesses at a consultative level and say, like, what you need to do is focus in on that. You're really good at that. Do that. Forget about everything else. And Steve, mm-hmm. you do a talk called Alienate to Accelerate. Uh, alienate 95% of your market to accelerate your, your growth. And and then, but we, we've talked about it once before. It's like, oh, we should niche in this. I was like, I don't know about niching. It seems quite scary. He's like, but we tell everyone else, like, yeah, I don't know. Um but then we did in, in COVID again, that was the, the change, you know, when we, when we had to, uh, you know, back then, if you recall, when it happened in March, the government announced three months of furlough and, um, you know, Steve and I are both, um, like probably many founders and, and owners like the book from driven There's a bit of a gambling risk taking mentality that you have to have. I think you've got to have that. And we just saw that as three months to replace the client that we were going to get rid of and that was like ridiculous frankly at the time we're like that's a lot of money to replace and we're like no three months we can do it and how are we going to do it we looked at our clients uh we looked at our our you know what where we earned money and we had two or three really nice clients in this sector we're like do you know what if we can just replicate them 
would have a great business. Um, now, if I could clone a couple of them, I would. That would be an incredible business. But um, just generally, it was just a nice, felt like a nice sector, nice um, place to be. And so far, we've been proven right. You know, the people of in within the UK manufacturing sector, that firstly, they've welcomed us into their community because we have kind of made ourselves known. We've been actively involved, supporting campaigns for, for ministers and producing free websites and campaign material for that, uh, you know, going around the country to meet these people at ex exhibitions. Um, and yeah, I think 100% Nation has helped us um, because we, we're known for something now. You know, before we were just a good agency, the classic, we'd won awards like every other agency. You know, now we, we really know our stuff. And also what I found was every time you took on a different client in a different sector or a different industry, you, you start from a blank piece of paper. Yes, you've got generalized processes. We know we're going to start here, start there, look at that. But it was always different. Like the, the personas of the customers are going to be different. The where they hunt, everything. Whereas within reason, our clients have similar customers, you know. So we're starting on a 50% completed page. Um, and also that gives clarity to, to the companies bringing us in. You know, if, if we're good enough yeah. for LG, we must be good enough for them. Yeah, and also I think the, the, the niche that you have in particular has a lot of sub-niches, right, which yeah. ultimately you have a niche, but then within there you're able to almost target different parts of that niche. And I think that helps a lot because I'm always worried that, you know, business that niche, like downturns and recessions can be niche killers. You know, it's a very a common thing that happens for agencies when a sector suffers, the agencies that focus, you know, we saw it with the pandemic and I've, I've mentioned this many a time on this podcast, but but I think with you, it's quite nice because you have a, a niche, but you've also identified the different types of, uh, yeah. the different types of organizations that can work within yours and they are quite diverse as well, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you take aerospace. Niche. Yeah, go on, as an example, yeah. yeah. So go aerospace on. is an example, you know, it's quite specific, but actually yeah. when you start opening it up, the companies that are involved in aerospace is, is massive. You know, you've got your tier ones and you, you've got the people that put building the rockets and, you know, all that side of satellites. But you're going right back down to 10 levels deep, the, the, the kind of subcontract manufacturing shop that are producing the, the nuts, uh, you know, that go into the machine. So from our point of view, it's actually, it's uh, it's a niche, but it's a broad niche and it does give us scope, um, you know, to grow. And it's really well, by exciting. Con by con, you know, you, you mentioned LG, you've then got, um, you know, consumer electronics companies who ultimately are manufacturing businesses, right? So clothing, I mean, manufacturing, like yeah. so you still have a really nice way to be able to flex around maybe where, where demand is, where trends yeah. come from in that niche, which I really, I quite like about that. And it's that awareness of that. I think it helps a lot as well. Yeah. And obviously at the moment, you know, UK manufacturing is, is kind of on the rise, you know, it's always been held in high esteem, you know, like UK made and manufactured has always been you know very exciting but with like rolls royce and stuff like this but actually lots of reshoring taking place now through the pandemic supply chain issues uh, all of that sort of thing and it's actually just a booming sector uh, which is great for us because we're you know hopefully going to be able to help some of those customers and you know hopefully not many of my clients or potential clients are listening to this but the reality is a little bit behind um from a digitization yeah. so you know they've got it's, it's quite funny you walk into a, a an incredible factory with robots automation 10 million pounds of cnc machines and then you go oh so um who's your customers then they go and get the file of facts out get the little notes off the back you're just like oh my life so so where do you keep your leads oh it's on one of them excel sheets somewhere <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? They do invest so much in 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 that side of things, but not necessarily in, in the marketing side. But do you find that hard? Because does that mean that, you know, do you get demand from your niche or do you end up having to create demand by almost going out and having to explain to them what, they, what they're missing out on, what they can do? Or is it a little bit of both? I think that was a journey, Spence. I think, you know, when we took the decision to go in, we identified our persona and honed in on it uh, being the kind of, the MD of the companies at a smaller level. And we really went hot for 18 months. We produced so much content to educate them on what marketing was, why they needed it, what they should be doing. And we did that. And we, we won those kinds of clients perfectly. Uh, as we've grown, 
and we've won those bigger clients the likes of you know lg that we've mentioned we work with them in their uh, hvac division so across europe so yeah. when you get to work with companies like that that have marketing teams marketing departments it's a different ball game they understand and they're looking now for value in terms of creative concepts creative campaigns expertise in terms of delivering those campaigns across multiple channels uh, and so we're kind of going on our own journey now whereby we've done a lot of education uh, and that's worked well and established ourselves as experts. And now we're kind of less about education to the owners and more about how do we add value to bigger businesses? Yeah. Do you know Mark Debman? He said that he'll take you to um, a, a AMRC and MTC Ma uh, Manufacturing Technology Center. <laughs> it's like yeah. a... So I think what Mark's point though a minute ago was what's interesting is you did mention before that you have more global aspirations and obviously your niche does lend itself to yeah. acting quite nicely to a more global approach as, as an, an agency as well. So it feels like all of that's lining up nicely for you. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. It won't be a straight line, you know that. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so look, look, just lastly, I wanted to ask you, um, I can't believe how fast time has gone chatting today. Um, I wanted to sort of ask you, like, you know, what other lessons would, you know, would you, now that you've got to the, this, you know, your first sort of, I guess, landmark stage in your, your growth journey, what, 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 is there any pearls of wisdom? Is there anything you would share to anybody else listening who's early, earlier stage on the journey? Or what are the big sort of less, big fundamentals, I guess, of lessons you've learned so far? I think, I mean, we've, we've obviously talked at, at length about one of them, which is, is about hiring the right people. And yeah. also hiring at the right time. I think that is quite crucial. I think previously we were hiring maybe behind the curve instead of ahead of the curve. And I'm a now a massive believer in trying to be ahead of the curve. I know you guys talked about, you know, always be hiring. And and that's because that's true. Firstly, the, the as we're all aware, recruiting right now is very hard um and you know takes the time. And then you've got serve notice periods. And if you if you're only aware that you're gonna need somebody when it when you need them you're two three months late so we're very much about um you know looking ahead trying as best as possible to forecast at least three to four months ahead in resourcing so we can identify look there's going to be a problem there uh, let's start hiring um and so yeah that that is definitely one thing because we grew very fast before we went from 12 people to 24 people in eight months uh but it wasn't done as well as it should have been done and you know now we've learned from that uh, yeah and so you hired the right time and the right people oh i mean uh, pete always calls it uh, building a talent pipeline now it's funny we used to talk about sales pipelines i think we talked <laughs> as much today about talent pipeline i think we always in the book we always talked about always be recruiting for you know like reverse engineer your business look at where you're going next and try and identify those roles you need but i do think there's a fine line between hiring ahead and hiring behind you've got to get it yeah. right because you don't want to have carry too much headcount and not have the you know we, we do run fine margins us agencies between yeah. you know our wage costs and our margin is, is very slim and so if we have too many people we don't make money right or we lose money and if we have too little then the team is stretched and it's so but it's interesting that you're seeing that now i think you're not un, un, it's not uncommon now i think people are quite happy to almost take a calculated risk with certain people now yeah. to bring them in at the right point because you know, it is can as you say, it can be hard to retrospectively find someone if they leave or if you you develop a new service. So definitely, yeah, yeah, good bit of advice. I think, I think the next next thing I'd say another another one from my granddad, um, and and he always told me to count the cash on front. You're gonna have to write a book. Yeah, yeah. well, he's he's written about four. Granddad taught me. I think that's the book role. Yeah. Um, but yeah, count the cash on a Friday. Um, and he always used to drum that into me. And I used to do that. I used to do that as a business. I used to follow my money and I stopped. Um, and again, you know, working with you guys, that came back in is like running a 12 week cash flow forecast or, you know, basically yeah. as far as, and again, it's been game changing. Um, you know, it's something Julian and I look at every Monday morning now. And it's from, from kind of my perspective, it's, it's a massive stress reliever or elite. Well, even if it's negative, okay what you what you have is actual clarity on when there looks like there could be a problem and time to deal with it what i've had in the past is basically on a friday you look in the bank you're like huh we've got a problem uh and you've got enough you've got no time to deal with it whereas you know when you can go well it looks like we might have an issue in seven weeks 
you've got six weeks to think how you're going to solve that issue and you use all the tactics around you know talking to suppliers can you move payments can you you know whatever it might be but you you're not like putting yourself under that immense pressure on the day yeah so I've just I was just glancing quickly because uh, Joy's just saying she's going, but she's left some lovely comments along the way. Yeah, uh, and thanks, so Joy. validated. Uh, some great advice from your granddad as well. So thanks, Joy, for all your <laughs> engagement on that that side of things. Um, I'm genuinely serious now. I think you need to write a book. <laughs> but, but I think the cash flow point is really important. I think it's also very topical. I would say in the last you know sort of month or so, it's be- almost become the number one you know sort of item on our agendas really generally which is you know as we go into a you know to an uncertain territory that we've got with the economy the way it is at the moment uncertain times you you know he you know he is right you've got to have a good grip of your cash flow and um yeah. you know when you said count the cash on a friday i had imagined i was imagining going down the cash point we'll draw <laughs> it but but i think you know having that once and it is the thing that helps you sleep at night as an agency yeah. owner doesn't it i mean you and i both know the cash is the one thing that can keep you up. But I think, you know, if you, I think right now it's a good reminder to everyone listening, you know, create your cash flow document, you know, give yourself some time once a week to look at it and understand where you're at and get a, you know, a 12 to 16 week uh, forecast because of, of where your cash is at, because it's easier to fix something, isn't it? When, when it's easier to fix a cash problem when you haven't got the problem than you have in yeah. 16 weeks, almost like you can plan ahead because when you really need to get money, it's very hard to get it. And when you don't need, it's a lot easier. So yeah, I think definitely. that's that's very timely advice now. Anything yeah. else? Have I, have, I, have I dragged everything out of you? <laughs> uh, no, I think, you know, just to sort of wrap up really, and it's kind of surround yourself with with people that, that can help and don't be afraid to ask. I think, I you know, I, yeah. I'm, I was naive a little bit when I was younger because I was sitting there thinking, you know, I was struggling, but I also slightly didn't want to admit that I, I think to people yeah. like you know because from the outside world oh you run your own business you've got a nice car or you go to all these things or you can have time off whatever you want and, and to a degree yeah people can you can do that um and the underlying facts might not be quite the same but i think surrounding yourself with, with good advice and being being able to trust what that is and, and take it is is again proved invaluable yeah. you know people that have been there done that um and you know worn the t-shirt and, and hopefully now that's some a position that i'm in you know yes i'm i'm, I'm still young hopefully you can all see that a few stress lines obviously but you know like i i have been doing this 25 years in one way or another and that's a lot of experience for someone of my age a lot of stress um but yeah you know i think i'd i'd like to help people and and i think i've got people yourself and, and my grandfather and a few others that you know that they're there to answer and they they're supporting you on that journey which is key it is interesting and i think you know it's funny because i i think there's a lot of people who um who who won't ask for help who 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 feel it's some kind of failing but i also want to kind of just say that you know the end of the day rob right you know it's your business you're running it you know Mm. you just come to us with your plans and say here here's my ambition here's my plan and pete and i all we really do is go well you know that looks like a solid plan we might say if you thought about a couple of things we might share with you stuff we've seen elsewhere but ultimately our job is just to keep you know people on track to get to the to, to the to the growth and success they're looking to, to achieve and it's just you know keeping that like all of us when we run a business we almost need a boss don't we sometimes because otherwise <laughs> you know we'll just go at our own pace because we're in charge we set a business up not to have a boss but sometimes it's just good to have some discipline around you know, and and actually out of respect really for everyone else in the organization because their careers and their salaries, their futures hanging on you as well. So I think um yeah, I think it's 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 interesting, you know, you raise that and I've I've seen it a lot recently where I know I've seen people that you know that our, our consulting practice could definitely help, but they'll never reach out because they feel like it's a sense of failure if they do it. But I think also they maybe misunderstand that it's it's not no one's coming in to run their business for them right you know you've still got to do all the hard work you've got to run it it's just having someone to almost help you that validate is probably the best way yeah i think i think i'd say accountability and validation that's the key yeah exactly yeah and i think that is and i think also i think um part of being having a growth mindset right is being open to be able to take back 
you know, observations from other people and to be able to process that, process that. And I think it's sometimes people are too protective. But if you can find someone that's whatever business you are listening to this, whatever sector you're in, whatever type of agency, if you can find someone that's trodden the path that, you know, you're on before you, then and they've got that relevant experience. And that really, really helps. I mean, I have people come to me all the time going, could, could I could we work with them? And I'm like, no, look, you need to find someone ex- who's done exactly what yeah. you've got not us like we could do agencies but you've got a tech business you've got to get someone who's built a product business who's done, and it, you know the more relevant it is i genuinely believe the more insights you know that, that you'll get from that journey so so yeah that's uh, so yeah three excellent ones there thanks rob for sharing so uh-huh. listen it's gone very quickly but i want to say thank you so much for your for giving up some time today to come and share your journey I always saw internet cafes in the early days and I always wondered who owned them. And now I know. (laughs) Yeah. I was actually uh, for a while when Google had a top 100, I was number one in Google out of 29 and a half million results for internet cafe, just above Wikipedia and above easy internet cafes for for two or three years. Just a little old cafe in Canterbury was 52 machines was number one in Google. That was my proud moment. But I'm guessing actually Canterbury bring sort of quite a big, uh student and tourist location as well i guess i could see the importance of having an internet cafe there as well Um, the fax machine fax machines were gold oh my gosh yeah the fax machine (laughs) i mean i think some people probably never had to experience what fax machines were like but uh, (laughs) maybe that's another one for another day so listen thank you for your time today rob pleasure thank you talking to you i think you've you've shared some you know real sort of level-headed almost a reality check on the you know on, on the reality of the journey that it is you know growing an agency and uh, i really appreciate you helping share with everyone listening some of your personal experiences as well so oh, thank you that for uh, episode 62 ladies and gentlemen is a wrap when you get about to see it's time to make it happen when we hit these streets i'm coming in and i can't be watch out now